everybody, and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I am your host, Jessica Dwyer, and uh, tonight's episode is great. Um, we have uh, the author J.M. Lee on as our special interview segment, and uh, i got to apologize for the audio on that uh, segment because it is a little odd. Um, it's a little tinny. Uh, there's a little bit of a background noise, but um, J.M. is fantastic. He is the author of The Shadows of the Dark Crystal and Song of the Dark Crystal, which are the books that are continuing, they are the official books, continuing the Dark Crystal series that was started by Jim Henson back in the day, Um, and he is actually working on the Netflix series as well, um, that is going to be tying in and continuing the story, and uh, they're beautiful books, if you haven't seen them, you totally should go get them, Uh, they're beautifully written and um, there are some illustrations with them that are just gorgeous Um, but I was really excited to talk with him and once again I apologize for the audio quality on the um, interview when we get to that segment Um, it's a little off and uh, a little tinny but a really great interview which you will be able to hear Um, but before we get into that I have stuff to go over for this week the week in geek and the first thing of course is as of this recording now on Netflix today is the Punisher TV series with John Bernthal as Frank Castle and um, I have watched the first episode I haven't watched the rest of it there are people that have already marathoned through the entire series at this point and that is kind of insane to me because we're not going to get another uh, season of this for a while so um I'm going to try and savor it like a fine wine um but Bernthal is a fantastic and this first episode just it pulls no punches it is as brutal as you would expect a Punisher TV series to be and um I gotta say man Tom Waits uh, going along and singing along as Faint Castle takes a giant hammer to assholes and just beats the living shit out of them which is all you can ask for out of print castle and a hammer um it is just great so good um just bernthal is is the punisher he is frank castle i mean i he was born for this and um just an amazing amazing first episode i am so excited uh see thomas Hal shows up i didn't even know he was in it uh just great cast ben barnes is in it there's it just so good. I'm I'm so excited for this series. I'm I'm gonna try and control myself not to marathon through it over the weekend, but man, it's so good. It's so good. Um and I love just the look of it. It's just beautiful stuff. And um a lot of people were worried about having a show like The Punisher come at this time and, and granted it is it is a, t- a time of, of just violence and the crap in our world and, and especially here in the States and just bad things all around. But at the same time, the Punisher is, has been around for a while before this became kind of the norm in our country. And Castle is just his, it's more relevant than ever right now. The story of this man and, and the, the just trials and tribulations and things that he's gone through and, they they handle it with a lot of class as well and there's just some really great stuff in this in this series and Bernthal is just so good um portraying this poor tortured guy who is a complete badass but also just you know 
the pain of his loss of his family um so horribly is is so is it's kind of it's relevant like i said and um he's sort of the meshing of both you know he is the victim and he is the um the bad as well he's the he's a victim but he is the righteousness of of the victims and and it's just god man it's so good there's so many levels to it and um i really love this first episode we already knew he was going to be a badass um you know thanks to daredevil and 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 what we saw in that so man go watch the punisher it's it's the new thing since i'm sure you like me I've already marathon through Stranger Things season two. Um, so now we have this. Thank you. Thank you, Netflix. Um, you know, and the way things are going with Justice League, I haven't seen it yet. I will probably see it, but the reviews and things that I've heard so far aren't the best. So and if you are one of those people that are like Marvel DC, well, you know what you're going to go for already. Um, but I've... You know, I just, I'm not going to rush out and see Justice League at this point because I've just heard too many bad things and I'm sad to say that, but I have the Punisher to keep me company, which makes me happy. Um, Speaking of my porn, uh, Rampage's trailer came out this week, um, actually yesterday, I believe, and I can't think of a more perfect movie for me um, and for a lot of people I know. Um, you know, not only is The Rock taking on giant monsters and kaiju-esque um, creatures, and it's from a ni- one of my favorite 1980s arcade games that I spent, I don't even want to know how many quarters, that same eight of mine. Um, but if you don't know, Rampage is in fact based off of a video game, an arcade game back from the 80s, uh, that is actually, if, um, kind of, I always pimp Lego Dimensions, it's always a thing, because I love it so much, but, um, if you have a Lego Dimensions, uh, game for your PS3 or PS4, I don't even know if it's for PS4 anymore, um, but if you have Lego Dimensions, there is an awesome, um, Midway arcade, I think it's Midway, yeah, Midway, I think it was Midway, um, but there is an expansion for it, uh, that you can get that will allow you to play, uh, I be- you, you can actually play Rampage on there, I believe it's one of the games in it, I know they have the monsters from, from it on there, but yeah, so Lego Dimensions has the arcade version in there, but the game, the movie is coming out, and uh, it it's pretty ingenious how they're doing this, and and um, of course you've got the the giant gorilla, which is the King Kong um, uh, homage. You've got the giant werewolf, which is funny because he's taking on Joe Mangiliano in the trailer, who we know is Alcide from True Blood, and he's also in Magic Mike, and a very tall good-looking man and uh then you also have they've made instead of having it be a very pretty much a godzilla ripoff which is what lucy was in the um in the in the video game uh is a giant crocodile which is your your godzilla-esque monster and so they're all in there and then on top of that on top of you know you've got joe mangeliano you've got the rock you also have Jeffrey Dean Morgan basically being Negan in a business suit, um, which makes me all kinds of happy. It, it's, this is really my porn. This movie is going to be my porn. 
and um it's it looks fun it looks fabulous it has great action sequences it's got the rock being the rock um you can't beat it so that looks so much fun and uh, i can't wait so if you haven't seen the trailer yet for rampage go check it out it looks super super good um so i'm very excited for that and if you hear something in the background that is in fact my puppy snickers he's chewing on something which thankfully is not a cord to my computer but um anyway uh so also that uh came out this week was uh received by a lot of people who ordered it but i wanted to make sure i mentioned this because we will have an unboxing video up on our youtube channel which if you didn't know yes fangirl radio and fangirl magazine has a youtube channel um is the thane outpost 31 um infection at outpost 31 which is uh was released by mondo um, this week, and it's a beautiful set. Uh, if you're looking for Christmas shopping for the horror fan, sci-fi fan, or tabletop gaming fan in your life, you could do a lot worse than the Thane Infection at Outpost 31. Uh, everybody has already seen, most likely, the uh, really cute video of Elijah Wood t- going through the rules for the game and everything. And I got to tell you, it is fabulous, uh, beautiful. Basically, the game is art because, you know, it's made by Mondo, so it has to look good. Uh, probably the coolest thing <laughs> that comes out of this game is the is the playing pieces the playing pieces um that you use for it um which there's they're based off of of course the John Carpenter movie and you have a McCready you have um there's a few different versions of the Thane and one of them is the head with the arms coming out of it uh it's just just really cool to see something like that. I mean I really guys did you think I'm 42 years old. I, I, most of you guys are out there that are the same age as me. Did you ever think in a million years that we would live in a time where you could get a Thane board game with figure, you know, pieces like that in this much detail, or action figures of, um, you know, guys like the Terminator and and uh, Pulp Fiction action figures and and just the kind of stuff we have right now it is such a good time to be a geek i have to say i have to say it is so good but um the thing um out infection outpost 31 is uh run uh usually runs about 60 bucks um right now i believe you can get it on amazon for around 48 dollars it's a great gift for Christmas. Um, there was a bonus edition, but I think it was sold out on Mondo's site um, that uh, had all kinds of goodies and extras in it, including artwork, which um, the box is cool um, itself. It's a really cool snowscape scene of the of the outpost. And then on the back is um, the dog running through the tundra, and it just looks great. So it's, it's a fabulous gift, and I would totally totally recommend people um getting that for your your gamer in your life um and if they're a horror fan or you know just a film fan it's cool just to have it because like i said the the box and the and the game itself is art it's the um the stuff in the in the game um there's bio cards and and you know you have kurt russell's mccready on there and keith david and just really cool stuff um really great great game 
um, kind of going along with our holiday gift idea, you know, it is, in fact, next week is Black Friday and the next month is Christmas. God help us all. And I have nothing done already. I mean, I've people in my neighborhood are already putting up Christmas lights, which is kind of insane. It's not even Thanksgiving yet, and they're putting up Christmas lights. What the hell? I don't even know, man. Um, so one thing I wanted to bring up was a really amazing set. Like, keep going to the movie fans and that we're going to, um, we're, you know, I am one, uh, of course, and but one of the coolest things that has come out in the last couple of weeks, and this this came out, um, I think, last month, um, was the Alfred Hitchcock Ultimate Collection 17 DVD disc set. Um, it is awesome. It is a beautiful set. It literally has every movie. It has Saboteur, Shadow of a Doubt, Rope. The rear, rear Window, The Trouble with Harry, The Man Who Knew Too Much, Vertigo, North by Northwest, Psycho, The Birds, um, Frenzies in there. Um, oh, God, how many other ones? Like, basically every Hitchcock movie that you can think of is in this set. It's 17 discs. There are also, I believe, 10 TV episodes of um, the Alfred Hitchcock Presents and Alfred Hitchcock Hour on there. There's like three, I think, of the Hitchcock Hour and seven episodes from Presents. There is a beautiful booklet that goes along with it. And the the holder for these DVDs is just, be- the, it's Blu-rays. It's a Blu-ray collection. So everything just looks beautiful. Um, I hadn't seen Frenzy uh, in years. Um, the last time I saw Frenzy, I believe was on a VHS tape and, uh, it looks like it was filmed last week. The, the quality of these movies is just amazing. So I strongly, strongly suggest the, uh, Hitchcock collection. I know a lot of people, I personally know, I already owned it was psycho. I already had psycho. But even if you already own Psycho, the rest of this, it doesn't matter. I mean, it is just a beautiful, beautiful set. Uh, you, If you have a, a, a movie fan in your life, this is the thing to get them for Christmas. It's, I believe, retailing for around $65. Um, I think you can find it for less than that on Amazon, probably around $55 to $60. Um, but the master, it's the Alfred Hitchcock Masterpiece Collection, and I just, I, or I, I'm sorry, the Ultimate Collection, the Alfred Hitchcock Ultimate Collection, and it is just, I can't even say enough. I mean, the, it is a beautiful set. So let's go, I'm going to go over really quickly every movie that's in here so I make sure I'm not leaving any of them out. And keep in mind that each of these Blu-rays has extras on it all goodies, really cool goodies. And we'd already just talked to um, Alexander Phillip about his Hitchcock um, documentary. And this, I, they came out around the same time. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. So disc one is Saboteur, has all kinds of extras, including Hitchcock sketches, um, a, a storyboards for the sequences in the movie, Disc 2, Shadow of a Doubt. Disc 3 is Rope. Disc 4 is Rear Window. 
Disc 5, The Trouble with Harry. Disc 6, The Man Who Knew Too Much. 7 is Vertigo, which has all kinds of cool things on it. Disc 8 is North by Northwest. Psycho is the next one. The Birds. Marnie. Torn Curtain. Topaz. Frenzy. And the last feature film is Family Plot. And they're all in sequence of release in the in the gift in the uh, disc holder, which is beautiful. Um, then you have the TV episodes uh, in, on the last two discs. So seriously, if you have a, a movie fan in your life that you're looking for the perfect Christmas gift for, this is awesome. Um, right now, you can get it on uh, Amazon. It's averaging for the Blu-rays. It's sixty-nine ninety-five, and it is totally worth every penny. Um, you owe it. To, get it for yourself if you don't own any of of the Hitchcocks. It's um, it's a ra- like I said, it's averaging around seventy bucks, and it's worth it because I like I said, you get s- that many films in the set. It's crazy. Um, so. With that, so um, you can expect some more um, gift-giving guides. We're going to do some more videos on YouTube for Christmas gift shopping, of course. Um, As I said, we're going to have the unboxing video for the Thane Outpost 31, so I can show you some more images and show you up close and personal that the game itself, because it's really pretty. And um, we're going to have some just really other cool stuff for you upcoming. Um, We're going to really go, uh, really go hard on the YouTube channel because I want to give you guys some more um, insight in some cool videos. Um, And I love uh, sharing some learnings with you guys too. And so one thing we're going to do is a new series, um, The History Of, uh, which I will be uh, sharing histories for some of my favorite stuff and things that you may not know about and never have heard of. So you're going to have that up on our YouTube channel that you can um, watch and hear me blather on on screen instead of just in your ear holes. Um, Also, we're going to do videos based off of the... um, the series I did on fangirlmag.com that I've been writing for a long time called Gone But Not Forgotten. So I'm going to have some videos based around some of those TV series and things that have gone into history but will always be viewable in my head because I've watched so much of it. Um, and like I said, we're going to have um, some really cool uh videos for Christmas gift giving and I definitely hope you enjoy those because uh it's going to be some good geeky stuff out there and and we'll also have some stuff on the website too for that because it is Christmas time and sometimes you guys need some help I know I do too for those geeks in your life that you're looking for Christmas gifts for I can't talk today. My voice is giving out. So um, with that, I hope you guys enjoy this babble fest of a weekend geek. And um, uh, here we go with our interview segment with Mr. J.M. Lee, the author of Shadows of the Dark Crystal and Song of the Dark Crystal. And we'll also have on fangirlmag.com 
uh, links for you uh, to find those books because those are also good gifts for the geek in your life for Christmas. They're beautiful and um, they keep the history and, and legacy of Jim Henson alive, which always is a good thing for everyone. So with that, um, here's our interview segment, and I will see you next week on Fangirl Radio. Hi, Joe. How Hi, are you? <laughs> Great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so uh, let's get started because I know I don't have you for very long, but um, I am I am a huge Dark Crystal fan. I I, I hey. went and saw it in the theater when I was a kid, and it blew me away. So it makes me ecstatic that people are continuing the story in that world. So uh, thank you for that, first off. Um, oh, yeah, my pleasure. Uh, so kind of piggybacking onto that how is the magic and, and and fantasy of this of this movie and the fable itself been so long lasting and affecting to fans over the years in your in your mind how 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 has this lasted because if i remember correctly when it came out it didn't make as much of a wave but it's it grew as time progressed and people realized just how beautiful and brilliant it was yeah, I mean, I think you put the your finger on it right there, which is just that it's one of those films that um, isn't particularly full of itself, I would say. So it's one of those things that's just like, we're going to tell a classic uh, fantasy fairy tale. And, you know, also, by the way, there are no human actors and everything is with puppets and, you know, Brian Froud and everything. <laughs> it's sort of like the the magical aspect of it is is almost just sort of like a in a way I, I, I kind of feel like it's sort of like the best kept secret in you know in the film which is that you know people so for example I have family members who've never seen the film so when the book started coming out um, they were like well I'm going to go watch this movie now and they didn't know it had puppets they didn't know really anything about it and I think that there's something about discovering something that is so different still even in film today it is unique yeah <laughs> um there's some, there's something really lasting and magical about being able to you know with the way we have base you know if you just uh shoot out two words you know you'll find a television series about it somewhere but <laughs> i think that even even in the you know oversaturated not even oversaturated. I love it's not oversaturated. It's very saturated, and I like it. Um, that there's still nothing like the dark crystal out there, and I would say that as people continue to discover that, uh, it 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 has that staying power because it is still so unique. Well, and that's why um, I, I know you're working on the Netflix series, and I'm very excited about that because I've always wanted to see more of that world and the the thing uh, that you know in a world that is predominantly computer graphics and 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 you know just splash it all up on the screen the thing with dark crystal to me was it was it was walking art and yeah it it wasn't overt i i guess is a word like for that it it mm -hmm. wasn't it it just it was enough and it was it was like real. It, it gave a realness to everything because it wasn't just like, Oh, look, let's put everything we can in this one scene. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 
I mean, some of the best scenes, or well, I, the, some of the best, I want to say, uh, work on the original Dark Crystal is in the background. You know, it's like there's a scene where Jen, the main character, is walking through this swamp and there's this, you know, pass of all of these little animals and creatures and critters and moving plants and stuff like that. That's just sort of like in past. It's like, yes, this is, we're just in the swamp. That's all. It's shot <laughs> in the swamp. But actually, you know, you forget that you're looking at everything that you're seeing was created and, um, and, and it's, it's, you know, these aren't real earth creatures. Uh, and I think that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the wonder is that it's so immersive that you forget that you're watching a show about, you know, not about, but like that everything that you're seeing has been fabricated in a way. Exactly. So kind of uh, going along with that, how daunting as a fan was it for you to create <laughs> in a world made by Jim Henson to, to take the, the story and, and go forth with it? Because to me, I, I would, I would, I would love to do it and, and, and do something like that at, with, with works by people that I, I love, but I'd also be terrified, <laughs> but I am not my, yeah. I'm my own worst critic, but you know, how is it for, as a fan for you to do that? You know, it's been a process <laughs> in the beginning. I think when I was, when I was first responding to the call for, uh, submissions, I was like, Oh yeah, I'll just, I'll just write this thing. And it's the thing I'll, you know, read the stuff and write a thing. And, you know, I, I, I took it seriously, but I think I took it seriously as a writing, a writing project. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really until I was talking to Cheryl Henson and she was talking about, you know, we were so excited about the book and it just kind of hit me for a moment where I was like, Oh, this is actually happening. And I think that's when, that's when the, the, maybe the, uh, the nervousness kicked in, which was <laughs> at that point, too, it was too late. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're done, you're in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, it, the, if I had any anxiety about it, it was very short lasting because everybody at the, the Henson group has been so, um, collaborative and welcoming and just so excited to, for us all to work on this together that it very quickly became natural feeling. And I think that was really important because it is really difficult to be, uh, feel daunted while you're trying to produce something creatively, especially. And so I think that, you know, because the Dark Crystal is so beloved by the people that are still working on it, you know, we're all fans and we're all really excited to be working together on it. And, that community and that sense of, of collaboration was, uh, I want to say vital to making sure that I felt free to be creative instead of feeling like repressed by my own anxiety about <laughs> being, you know, being here. That's <laughs> so. awesome. So, um, so kind of as a fan as well, what drew you to the dark crystal and what was it like when you first saw the movie for you? So I can't, I can't actually remember the first time I saw it, but my dad tells me that it terrified me, which I, I think that sounds about right. <laughs> um, what I do remember is very quickly being drawn to sort of the, um, it was so, it was, it's still so different that it's a, it's a film that it, on the surface, it looks like it might be for kids. And then it has these really both profound and also uh, sort of, disturbing uh, scenes especially but also you know like I mean, we've all seen, I mean I'm assuming that many of us have seen the Dark Crystal before let's spoilers <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, 
there are some things about it that are very troubling uh, uh, that, you know, some people hesitate to show it to their kids. And I think that as a, as a kid watching it, it, it blew my mind that the, there were uh, movies like this out there that I was allowed to watch and that also were also so beautiful at the same time. And I think that that marriage of sort of darkness and beauty and wonder all at the same time was something that has lasted with me for a really long time. God, that's awesome. It's just, it's true. Uh, <laughs> it's true for everybody. I think that saw it and it kind of stuck with them as a child. Um, so where did you go for the history of the story? Because you're building upon a mythos, but we don't, you know, basically we had the movie, um, but where did you go for more background to, you know, it sounds like you worked closely with the Henson Group. Right. I would say, well, in the very beginning, before when I was still um, working on my original submission for Shadows of the Dark, well, we eventually became Shadows of the Dark Crystal, mm-hmm. um, the darkcrystal.com website was all set up for the contest with um, sort of a collection of all of the extended uh, mythology for the Dark Crystal to prepare people and kind of equip them to write a story that was in the vein that um, they were looking for. So I read everything on the website and then, of course, ordered all of the um, there's a manga, a Tokyo Pop manga series. I have the Dark Crystal. There's, <laughs> yep, there's the the, the, the creation myths, uh, graphic novels, um, Markea, and then of course Brian Froud's World of the Dark Crystal, which is sort of the the Bible of the Dark Crystal. I have that. Too. Um, <laughs> yep, it's a fantastic. I just still open it up and just you know look it, at it. It's a beautiful book. And, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so all of the existing Dark Crystal uh, publications were a huge, uh, had a huge part to play. But I also, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Brian Froud ever since I was a kid and had my Lady Coddington's Press Fairy book. Um, uh-huh. But I have, you know, gnomes and uh, fairies, and I use a lot of that, too, as far as kind of building the atmosphere because, I mean, obviously he played in a huge part in the film and... Um, just trying to sort of uh, get a feel for and immerse myself in where where they may have been coming from during the creation of the film really put me in the right mindset to work on where I wanted to go with my uh, my interpretation. Wonderful. That's and that's good to know um, that you know for other people that might want to like take a chance and I'm writing to something because I, I love the fact that you're doing work with something that you grew up loving and you're a fan of that just makes me happy to see that happen to another fan. Absolutely. That just, it's the dream. It's the dream. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something that, that like fan fiction has evolved so much over the past, whatever, two decades even. And it's like in the beginning, I remember when I was writing Star Trek fanfic, my dad was like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> why don't you yeah. write something original? You know, and so I did. But also, there's there is a there's a lot of room for uh, you know extended mythology and and stories where you know there, there's opportunity. There's real opportunity for you know working on existing properties and projects. So I'm just really excited to be part of this one because it's uh, it's so it was so important to me growing up. 
exactly. so yeah, I'm just as happy to be here. <laughs> that's, that's great. So, um, kind of uh, onto this is is I know you're working with the Netflix series. How do the books figure in mm-hmm. to the Netflix series you're working on? Uh, well, I got called into the Netflix series um, to help sort of uh, work on world and um, bringing in some of my uh, linguistics background. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of communication between, I want to say, the books and the series process. Uh, and it's just been a really cool experience so far as a novelist to um, get to work with people who are in a different industry but still working in the same world of the Dark Crystal Uh so yeah, I mean it's been it's been really really interesting and really exciting. Nice. Um, so one thing I, I I haven't ever had a chance to ask a fantasy writer is where do you go into for the mindset of creatures and species that have never existed? What's the process like for that to to put yourself in there to create them? Hmm, that's a good question. I. Uh... The first thing that comes to mind is that when I was in high school, I actually worked at a zoo. <laughs> so oh, wow, that's I awesome. Was, uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, like, the thing is, I have, like, this weird uh, collage of, the, of past experiences that have somehow, like, suited me in a very specific way for this project. <laughs> but um, I worked at a, the St. Paul Como Zoo uh, through high school as a junior docent and, like, a, a youth volunteer. And, um... I got to spend a lot of time with zookeepers and and studying animals, and, and I was very interested in uh, uh, sort of the animal sciences, but also sort of how mythology connects people to animals. So it's always been something that's really fascinating to me. Um, but of course, working in the Dark Crystal, where nothing is supposed to be Earth-like at all, there is a, a special kind of challenge in trying to populate a world uh, with alien creatures without making them seem too alien. Right. And and especially, yeah, it's I don't have a quick and easy, like, advice, but one of the things that I do is I try to, for every creature that I create, I try to combine the traits of at least one animal from Earth and one plant from Earth. Oh wow! So that yeah, that's it's, that's kind of where I went to, um, and and I think there's some stuff in the world of the Dark Crystal book um, that kind of describes how on Thra, the world of the Dark Crystal, nothing is a plant. There's no fauna or flora uh, per se. It's everything is a little bit of both. It's hard to tell if something is a mammal or a fungus, you know, <laughs> and so kind of. Thinking about it from that perspective really helps me. Um, And then also if there's ever an opportunity to use a living creature instead of an inanimate creature, I always will take the animate creature. So instead of, you know, I don't know, a door lock or something like that, like is there a way to substitute something that's living or at least animate in some way just to to make a big break from our world where we use inanimate objects as utilities. Wow. That's fantastic. That's a neat answer. <laughs> Thank you. Now I, 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 I've picked your brain and stolen something from it. Ha <laughs> 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 um, 
So I guess my final question is because this is the other movie that everyone and you probably know what I'm going to ask. The other one that came out <laughs> around that same time that everyone like my age is a fan of as well is Labyrinth. I, yeah. What is there any interest in taking that on? Because there's been a lot of talk about doing a um, either a reboot or a sequel. Um, and we already know there was an anime or a manga sequel that they did. And would you be interested mm -hmm. in that? I I don't personally know what the plans are for Labyrinth, but I would be interested. So there you go. Um, it's out there, people. Come, you know my phone number, so <laughs> I think that would be great. Um, I, it, it's a very precious property just like this one is, and, and you're doing a fantastic Absolutely. job with Dark Crystal, so I think it would be in the hands of someone that would would actually love and care for it. I would be more than happy to see someone do another story set in that world. But um, I would too, yeah. Yeah, it would, Absolutely. it would have to be very carefully done. Because it's a mm -hmm. it's a precious little baby, and that's how it, is. it is. It's the babe with the power. Exactly. Yep. Be careful with that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, Joe, jo, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you taking the time, and thank you for um, keeping that world alive. Because I know it was oh, absolutely. It, it was important to me as a child, and and obviously important with, to you, but to a lot of people. And there's obviously still a lot of love for it, and keeping that alive is fantastic. And Henson was my one of my gods of my childhood, and he always will be. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for thank yeah, I, my pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>